as I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'm going to roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you're going to be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working. Open curtains. Haters swerving because they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never going to give up, give up. Fall down. I just got to get up, get up. Yeah. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Seven years, six and a half years, and um, and then went back. By the time I became the health director, I was already, you know, I was practicing in the practice of public health and um, uh, became an adjunct professor at Southern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did that for eight years. And as as many people know, you know, health director's position is quite political. So with the changing you know, mayors or political scenarios that you 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 come and you go. And so um, I moved over to Southern full time. I realized that I needed to have another uh, avenue in which to um, do what I wanted to do around health education and health promotion, not realizing, Tom, that all my life, I had been doing public health and didn't mm. know. Mm-hmm, I, just, mm-hmm. I just recently came back from visiting with my sister and I was saying to her, I said, we were so ahead of our times when we were younger with doing health fairs and uh, back to school fairs and giving out turkeys at Thanksgiving. Mm. Mm. The things that we were doing 10, 20, maybe 20, 25 years ago, you know, it's not popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tell my students that, you know, at the age of 14, I had my own youth group and was doing presentations on teenage um, pregnancy prevention, mm. not knowing that that was health education and health, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, even as I met you, Tom, I can remember, um, you know, doing the leadership program, the Connecticut Health Fellowship yes, uh, yes. program, I think was where mm-hmm. we initially um, came together. And so... Um, Yes, my career, my road, but now I'm full-time tenured, and I say that word Amen. tenured um, because it it means a lot um, mm-hmm. in, in in the field of academia, um, and uh, there are not a lot of us, not a lot of people of color that are tenured, and there, especially when you break it down to um, gender, you know, mm-hmm. there's less than five percent of us that are women. Mm-hmm. Uh, higher ed that are uh, women of color and African-American especially. So this book really was a, a book, a collaborative um, from the heart, right? Um, bringing together some of these voices. Uh, and, and, what, what's, and what's the, the title of the book again? The title of the book is Navigating Academia During COVID-19, Perspectives and Strategies from BIPOC Women. And my colleague, Dr. Uh, Anuli uh, Unjoku mm-hmm. and myself worked very collaboratively with our chapter and authors to um, bring this about. And it came about because we were talking in the midst of COVID when COVID first hit, um, you know, holding each other up, talking about survival and talking about many of the things, the, the themes in our book. And um, we decided that we were going to do a presentation. Uh, started off as a presentation we did virtually um, at a conference called Encore, which is a, 
uh, race and ethnicity, a national conference on race and ethnicity. We did that virtually. Hmm. Then we went from doing a presentation to turning the presentation into a paper that we wrote. Hmm. Um, and then we said, how about, let's see if we can take this a step further and mm -hmm. work a book together. Yes, you're right. Um, and so uh, it was really born out of, you know, love and support of uh, colleagues trying to just get through COVID. And as we reached out, I think one of the hardest things was we wanted to endeavor to um, include the indigenous voices. And although mm -hmm. I know people who are, um, in, uh, um, indigenous and being here in Connecticut, I thought that that would be relatively easy. It was harder than we thought um, to hmm. actually get somebody to commit to write a to write a chapter, but we did it, and it was right in our own backyard. So thank goodness um, um, about that. So we're quite proud that we, you know, have included a, a diverse group of scholars mm -hmm. from 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 the East Coast to the West Coast. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And, Marin, even uh, this is not a, a trick question, but if COVID hadn't happened, would you still have would, would had the inspiration or the idea about the, the need for for this book uh, to kind of share people's stories? So, so that's a great question, Tom. Um, so, I think so. Let me just tell you where it was. Yeah, I initially was the only a female of color in the. Um, in the Department of Public Health at Southern. Mm -hmm. uh, and I became the only tenured female, you know, tenure track female. We had had others come and go, but no one stayed. And so I was the first that once I made up my mind, <laughs> you know, a little bit, uh, once I made up my mind that Southern was where I wanted to stay and this would be my next um, venture, uh, uh, I was the only one and it's a little bit different because I, I have male colleagues of color uh, to Dr. Um, you might know Dr. John um, Nwangu and Dr. Stanley Bernard Stanley's mm -hmm. from Richport and, and um, Dr. Nwangu's from this area. And um, although they, I had, you know, male colleagues of color who, who helped and encouraged me uh, along the way, it's nothing like, and, and I'll just share a secret with you, but it's nothing like a female understanding female mm. issues mm. of of care and caregiving. And it's just different. It's just mm -hmm. a different dynamic as far as I'm concerned. And, and I say that because it's, it's probably my bias, right? <laughs> my bias is, you know, all my life I went to, a, I started off at, you know, high school at all girls Catholic high school. So I understand the <laughs> dynamics of, of, of sisterhood and female mm -hmm. uh, empowerment. And so um, I would say that I don't know if it would have come about the way it came about during COVID time, but I know that COVID ushered that mm. need of staying connected. And I say this because at least this is my perspective, because when Dr. My colleague um, Anuli came, she came during the midst of COVID. She came, you know, during COVID, she moved her family from Michigan. And I knew that I wanted her to stay. Mm -hmm. I knew that in order to have um, a colleague, you know, stay, uh, we already had similar interests that I need to make sure that she was okay, her family was settled, you know, and things like that. Yes. And so as we talked about 
those issues, right? Those issues outside of the ivory tower and outside of it, you know, to where, you know, getting settled living, you know, mm. apartment versus house, housing and things like that. I was trying to make sure that she had as many supports as yes. needed, you know, and one of the supports was, uh, was, was us coming together on a regular basis mm. on Zoom during COVID to just talk, talk about ideas, talk about what was going on. And we will always have like a little session, first of all, personal session, right? About what was mm. our, whatever was going on in our lives. And then we would get down to the business of, of work or whatever we were working on or thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that COVID was just the time and the place, mm. right? That brought it all together. Mm. Tees, and, and definitely thanks for sharing sharing the context and the and the impetus. Share with us a little bit about tease, tease us with some of the, the the chapter titles. Just to, you know, yeah. we, we do. Yeah, just just curious. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, Tommy, and remind me, please, sir, is this this recording um visual as well? Or yes, is absolutely. It, you can, uh, it's okay. yeah, you can hold it up. The the audio as well as the video. So people right, can see so. your 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 hol your holiday red 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 dress oh, red, okay. red, red, red sweater. <laughs> I'm not sure if people can see the title yes. of the book. There we go. Maybe. Okay. So let's have the title again and share with us a few of the uh, titles of the chapters. So navigating academia during COVID nineteen perspectives and strategies from BIPOC women, edited mm -hmm. by and Joku and Marion Evans. All right. Um. So let me just share with you some of the titles, because I think that that's, that's important, too. And my colleague and I, we sort of do a, a whole presentation about how this, our journeys and, and, mm. and how this came to be. So some of the um, titles I think that stand out is uh, Dr. Boudreaux of Southern Connecticut um, did a title called Self-Identification and Black, Red, Brown, and White, a Clarion Call to Address Medical Racism and Native American communities. Mm. And then we can go on to um, Dr. Brandon Hutchinson, who's also, uh, we have about six scholars from Southern in the mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. And Brandon Hutchinson did a, a, a chapter called The Lesson for My Daughters, Talk mm. to Me by Bell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, Dr., uh, um, Dr. My colleague, uh, Dr. Njoku, her sister, um, who's a, a gifted uh, administrator in her own right in New Jersey, wrote a chapter for us. Her name is Uchenna Baker um, and talked about the gift of ontological inquiry. Mm. And then we have celebrating Ramadan due, during mm. COVID. COVID. Mm -hmm. We have a chapter on grief and bereavement. You might know this sister, um, Dr. Cho Green. She used to be at Southern. She's no longer at Southern. She's been nursing, um, but she wrote a chapter on grief and bereavement during COVID-19, funeralization and ritual losses. Mm. Um, we wow. had a um, someone who, um, one of the ones that I enjoy immensely, because I'm now going through I started off once we got the hardcover of the book, going back through just the Southern authors, right? Mm. And rereading, not for editing's sake, but rereading for the gift of content and um, messaging and things like that. And so one of our grad, former grad students in the Department of Public Health, she wrote a chapter um, 
called Growing, Grow Through What You Go Through. And then um, Dr. Reyes, Lloyd Reyes at Southern talked about leading in color in academia, mm. a Latinx chair's experience of resiliency and hope. Mm. Um, we have uh, Dr. Epps. She did navigating realities while maintaining perspective during COVID. Um, we had one that was really interesting by one of our authors, our scholar authors, who talked about teaching calculus, um, teaching calculus, Dr. Dent, teaching mm -hmm. calculus of corona, coronavirus 19. <laughs> I, I mean, there, yes, right. Isn't that something? Isn't that something, right? Um, I wrote a chapter on acing the black trauma of COVID-19, um, the COVID-19 pandemic. And then uh, my my colleague wrote, we, we co-wrote some chapters together, Spaces to Heal, Providing the Table and Seats, um, my, my Coping Resources and Self-Care During COVID-19, Police Brutality and Social Unrest. Mm. And, and um, it's a win-win, faculty-mentored research with students of color. My colleague uh, did a chapter with one of the grad students and that's just a few of the of the titles. We have about um, twenty chapters and twenty two authors. So mm. it was really a labor of love, bringing beautiful, beautiful women of color together to write about their um, not only trauma but hope and resiliency. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, and Marion, you know that that's so with, with the with the variety and and the and the uh, the different subjects areas just as you, as you were going through the menu there's so much for everyone tell, tell me about target market who do you think would could profit or benefit from reading reading the book I think that um, anyone uh, could benefit just reading some of the stories and I, and I, and I want to like I'll share a little tidbit of okay. why I have lots of tidbits but I'll share All a little right. tidbit of why but really um, higher ed uh, teachers educators administrators, Anybody interested in, in understanding um, uh, some of the challenges and and um, hope hopefulness of why people are in higher ed and um, mm -hmm. administration, or even why people leave? Mm -hmm. um, mm. uh, if you're thinking about leaving, so um, I think it's a little bit for 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 everyone, um, especially the universal stories, right? Yeah. But Target, if you had to ask me about Target, I would say higher ed, faculty, staff, administrators, and um, and others. So, and uh, but no, I, I mean, just elaborate on that, and then I want to kind of follow up. It seems to me also, Marion, that if I'm a a uh, undergraduate student or even a graduate student, and oh yeah, receiving, and even some high school students that are trying to juggle their careers, we hear so much about folks not going into the the teaching profession, and it seems to me that this kind of Give some inspiration, hope as well as well as guidance. Um, Absolutely. But Absolutely. but 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 share with us a little bit about your the, the essay that you contributed, the, the chapter that you contributed. Oh, you want to know much? <laughs> well, I guess a little bit. You know, we, we still want okay. people. But and by the way, is a book available? It's on Amazon or what's it? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I can make sure that I put a link. Okay. Uh, before we Great. leave, I'll put a link um, to Great. the book, and I also have um, I can uh, if I I can um, take a look. Because we have um, some like vouchers for people to be able to use a code 
mm-hmm. uh, as they um, um, purchased the book. Um, it just came out in September. So it's really hot off the press. Hot off the press. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, so I'll share. Um, oh, my. This is the first you're doing the first time. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to be to be able to seize the opportunity. And even as you kind of think about what you what you want to say, yeah. it just sees me as just a good chance for people to see that I get the impression that, that the chapters and the, the authors really just truly speaking from the heart. Yes, yes, and, yes. And I think that that's that's so profound and needed these days, full transparency and just laying your journey out. And it's, there's so much, you know, discontent going on in the world. We don't have to mention the Middle East or Ukraine, but we can see in, in next year, 20, 2024 is going to be such a volatile year in terms of the presidential election and the, yes. the, cro- the cross currents of ideology that we're going to hear yes. from, from, from various yes. segments. So just uh, books like yours, I think for people to be, in my mind, it will help people to become, to become grounded, to become, yes. you know, to, to be, and, to, yes. and, and to keep their eyes on, on their own particular prize. So, so Tom here, I'll just start off by saying um, my chapter has to do with adverse childhood experiences. They're, they're, they're called short, abbreviated, called ACEs. Mm-hmm. And there are traumatic events that happen between the ages of zero and 18 years of age. Mm. And there's a lot of um, information out there about these ACE experiences and what people think they mean and things like that. They're preventable, people should know, and related to, and they've related and linked them to many poor health outcomes and health challenges that happen, that can happen throughout a person's lifespan. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to give that sort of background of what I'm talking about when I talk about ACEs. So during COVID-19, I came across a a quiz. Hmm. And as I read this quiz, um, it made me think about all of the black families that I know in my life, family and friends who have probably experienced some of these um, questions and had this. So I I wrote during COVID-19, I came across 10 question ACE quiz. Reading the questions, I was overcome with the enormity of black trauma contained in those 10 questions. Mm-hmm. The quiz reflected my own story as well as those of black students, women, and families, traumas that were magnified by the impact of three pandemics, COVID-19, economic inequities, and systemic racism. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm going to skip uh, and I, I talk about myself in particular, right? Because uh, it's, it's almost like preaching, right? You should start with, with yourself first. And I gave little tidbits, right, about some of the questions um, um, that the, the the quiz went through. But I think that what I want to do is I want to skip because okay. they talk about protective factors versus what are risk factors um, um, as you answer the quiz. And I just talk about, you know, going through my life. So according to, so now I'll read a a little bit more. It says, according according to the CDC, there are six protective factors, nurturing and attachment, knowledge of parenting and of child and youth development, parental resilience, social connections, 
concrete supports for parents and social and emotional competence for children. The black church, faith and religion pro provided at least four or five of the factors for both parents and children. Religion without a doubt was a protective factor in my adolescence. Mm -hmm. This came to me directly through my best friend and I talk about my best friend, <laughs> um, which led me to uh, the evangelical Protestant church um, mm -hmm. and things like that. And then I go on to talk about um, uh, a little bit more about George Floyd's murder in mm. May of 2020. Mm. And um, how just after two months after COVID-19 lockdown, it signaled awakening around police brutality for many people. There have been countless others before him, but social media and real-time cameras made Floyd different from Emmett Till, Megger Evers, Malcolm X, Bobby Seale, and a host of others who had no names. At hmm. first, at first, I refused to watch the video. Mm -hmm. Why would I want? Why would I want to watch a man, another black man, die at the hands of historically sanctioned blue killers? Mm. Mm. I heard the audio first, and a familiar sadness filled me. I don't watch horror films because I believe we have enough real world horror. Though I had initially avoided the video of Floyd, I saw it one day on the news. And then I'll jump down a little bit, Tom. Mm -hmm, and it, and mm -hmm. it led me, and it led me to um, write a poem because of the feelings and emotions that I felt. My oldest niece, and I write, my oldest niece, as difficult as the public loss of Floyd was, I was also experiencing personal loss as well. Mm which the ACES quiz might call risk factors. So my oldest niece passed away in March, 2020. My cousin passed away in April of 2021. My oldest sister passed away in May, 2021, along with several other losses of family mm. and friends. Like many people, there was a huge toll of COVID-19 and I turned to the arts mm. to mm -hmm. release the pain and the pressure and I wrote a poem mm. um, called Ode to Breath. And then I include my poem in the in my chapter that I wrote on, um, on Ode to Breath. It says, I'm exhausted, downright bone tired. It is just beyond me right now. Breathe, one, two, three, four. Hold, breathe out. Coronavirus, I can't breathe. Ventilators, quarantining, social distancing, people distancing, death and destruction, COVID-19 masks, breathe. Slavery to modern day lynching, protests, anti-racism. New normal is not normal, undoing racism allies, advocates, caucuses, I can't breathe. Caps and ships, bottles, syringes, vaccines, contact tracing, post-convalescence, 
double, double, toil and trouble. When will it stop? How do I make it stop? I can't breathe. Breathe. Will it ever change? Has it ever changed? Mm. Is there herd immunity from hatred, white supremacy, and racism? I can't breathe. Breathe. One, two, three, four. Hold. Breathe out. And I asked my best girlfriend, who's an artisan and an academician in her own right in at Morgan mm -hmm. to um, do some artwork. She yes. does art, it's called Art with Words. And so she included, I included a, a picture of the art that she did. Oh, tremendous. Uh, that goes along with, my, with the poem. And one of the things I say, Tom, in my chapter is, what ace score would George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Emmett mm. Till, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi, and John Lewis receive? Mm. Mm. Floyd had risk factors for sure, but did he have protective factors? If he did, they were obviously not enough. As I contemplate the impact of COVID-19, which has no doubt spurred the onset of more ACEs. Mm -hmm. I am reminded that the risk factors will re reverberate long after the country heals from the last four years and moves towards living with COVID-19 symbiotically. As Black faculty, and I talk about it is imperative to recognize ACEs and their risk factors and protective factors, and their personal trauma in our own lives and in the lives of our students to recognize and contemplate how they might manifest in the classroom and on campus. It is necessary to prevent further trauma and implement trauma-informed practices to counteract the damaging effects of ACEs and COVID-19 on our collective and future lives. Mm, mm, mm. Hmm. Marion, the, the, the title again of the, <laughs> of the book? The title of the book is Navigating Academia During COVID-19, Perspectives and Strategies from BIPOC Women. And it's available on Amazon. It is available on Amazon. And I will make sure that you get the link. All right. Um, I, I include the link um, here. Are, are you guys uh, considering uh, any, any book signings per se? I, I would love it. I would love it, Tom. Mm -hmm. We're just we're, we're just talking and thinking about um, uh, how to how to expand. Mm -hmm. We'll probably do something um, for sure on tour or as part of a a book signing in the spring. This upcoming mm -hmm. spring, mm -hmm. and we're thinking about you know maybe with you being part of the community, how to do a little, a few more things in the community. Sure. And because we have, because we have authors from the East coast to the West coast, we've also invited them. Like the sister that wrote about calculus and she's teaching students calculus, right? Mm -hmm. um, she's in, in New York. Um, and, but then we have, you know, people on the West coast as well. And so um, as, as they gear up, right, um, knowing that the book came out in the fall, if they do anything that we might be able to join in virtually mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
to invite them as well, some of the authors, if they they have the time um, as we as we move on. I know a couple of authors have said that they would love to. So I actually just wrote a um, a piece, a, a proposal mm -hmm. for Southern's um, Women and Gender Studies Conference that we have coming up in the spring. Yes. Sort of do a, a a, a book reading panel with excerpts from some of the authors mm -hmm. where they get to read pieces Good. in their chapter. Um, and so that'll be coming up. Um, I believe it, the conference is in April, but I can get you that information sure. as well. Sure. Mary, just when you were reading, uh, it was really heartfelt from, from your particular chapter, my mind went to some of the students that you had the, that, that you had the, the, the blessing to be in front of and they have the blessing to be in front of you. Uh, share with us uh, some of the courses you're teaching and how this book kind of informs informs that to whatever degree. Because uh, it seems to me your life experience, your academic training, the, the recent book, what's what's on it, and just the whole uh, the, the discipline of, of public health is kind of evolving. I think people would certainly understand it's more important than ever before. I'm curious about the about the, yeah. the, the, the the intersection, if you will, uh, between the students, your book, your what you just read. Um, and, and your courses. Yeah. You know, I, I must say that one of the one of the things that um, that I worried about tremendously, Tom, and as you you saw play out as well, is you know, especially around the um, you know the divide of uh, technology divide that we have here in mm. our country, and so as as we were going on lockdown, it was not only would they have the technology and internet that they needed to continue and finish out the year? But also, did they have a place to go to, a safe place, mm. right? For many students, um, going away to college is a safe space for them. They're getting away from wherever, whatever they mm -hmm. came from at home, right? They're, not everybody has a good home life, right? And um, I worried about some of those students that, you know, I knew that going home wouldn't be the best option for them hmm. and and how they would handle it and whether they would be able to finish. So I teach, um, I'm affiliated faculty as well in the women and gender study. And because of my background, Tom, I teach a basic course at, for the, at the undergraduate level in women's health. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've taught a variety of classes in public health, everything from introduction to public health, to health and society, to environment at the graduate level, environmental health, and, um, you know, it, it, several other intro, yes. intro classes. So um, that's actually, for me, the beauty of, of public health. And one of the things that I love about Southern, and people ask me all the time, well, why are you um, at Southern? Is because I see Southern students like myself, Mm. who have come through and conquered, right? Um, and are conquering, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, people talk about, you know, thriving and surviving kind of thing. And those are all stages, right? I can remember those stages yes. and things like that. And so I think that I am needed at Southern, mm. right? And we all, we all want to feel needed, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel that I'm needed at Southern. And at least that is what my students tell me. <laughs> and you, you guys have a new, you guys have a new, a new building over there, right? You have a new, you, you yeah, move, move we, we have a, a new health, 
Health and Human Services Building um, located on uh, 4, 493 Fitch Street. Um, we love to give tours to people in the community. Um, so if you want to come see the building, I'd be happy to, to bring you through the building and show you the building. Have you seen the building yet? Have you walked uh, the, through? Yeah, um, there's been various tours of organizations that I've been been affiliated with. Yes. So it, and I think that's just, just a testimony as well to just the growth and the interest and just ec economics always impacts everything, but to but to build a new building and the new business school at Southern as well. So Southern's on the on the move. Yes. 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 And and now is the time, right? Um uh, I don't know if we were on air yet, but you had mentioned earlier um <clears throat> uh our interim dean president, uh Dr. Mm -hmm. Smith. Dr. Dwayne Smith, who we're delighted to have um, with us and who has um, embraced myself, actually, even before Dr. Smith was officially sworn in as the interim president, we were on the diocese together at an event down in Bridgeport. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, um, I am so elated to have him, to have his leadership at the university right now. And um, you and I know that there's been several other persons of color, um, at least one other one that I knew since I've been at Southern. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'll just say this, you know, it's always a particular time, yes. right? When when we're allowed to have leadership, uh, you know, or, mm -hmm. or, or invited to step up to for leadership that we've been doing in a, you know, in the community and along um, for a long time. And so, um, I think that Dr. Smith is the right person uh, for the job at hand, especially as we as we move forward in the future. You and and I, I certainly concur, Marion. You 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 mentioned some of these the words of systemic racism, and you didn't say implicit bias or explicit bias, but certainly the George Floyd mm -hmm. episode kind yeah. of illustrates those those dynamics. Um, it's kind of a cliche question that I have uh, for me when I hear this term. S systemic uh, racism. I mean, there's, there's, it, it doesn't necessarily operate artificially, although with artificial intelligence, it is going to start operating without human control, yeah. but there's still some, well, what's, what's and, your, what's, what's we're your, gonna what's, see, we're going to see it manifest there too, as yeah, well, yeah. because it, artificial intelligence is only as intelligent as the, the coders. And so as people who code for artificial intelligence, bring their own biases into their coding, we'll see it, or we've already seen it, so. So, so talk talk about that a little bit. Are we uh, still fighting the battle like crazy or there is any uh, reasons for hope? Or what, what would you say to a young person about, can, oh. in terms of the George Floyd, and even the Rodney King mantra of can, can we all get along? When it, when a student kind of comes to you that he or she might be a little depressed about the future, what, what, what do you want to say to them to kind of keep them, encourage them to keep their eyes on the prize? Well, well, Tom, you know, you and I, you and I have been doing this for a long time, right? So, so I think there's always hope. There's always hope. Um, there's always hope that, and things have, you know, there's always hope for the future. Although I've, I've, I've heard people talk, and I'm, I'm surprised. Um, I've heard people say, you know, uh, that especially with this upcoming presidential. <laughs> presidential election right um and, and and living through what we've just lived through um um that they're not as hopeful 
I I think you know most of my life I've seen I've seen the theme of of that is no reason to give up right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's the reason is not given and so I always think that there's hope and I always try to share hope yes. with 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 our students absolutely there is hope um and you know the dark comes before be, before the dawn you know and, and, and as so we. And so, so Marion, frame it in the context of public health, because again, in terms of public health, our psychic health, just our mental health, all these, that's public health is about, you know, humanity kind of thriving and being, being healthy and not, mm -hmm. uh, not, not addicted to hate or not addicted to drugs or, so talk about the, the role of public health, because it seems to me that this is such, theology is important, science is important, and obviously public health is science, but talk about this, 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 this public health thing. I, I know that as I talk to more friends, I've been uh, impressed with the number of folks interested in, in, in public health or pursue or taking courses in public health, if not a major. So it seems to me that you're the, the, the evan you mentioned the word evangelism, the evangelistic role of public health now has perhaps been, you guys could be on top of mind. Well, well, Tom, you know, I'm the coordinator I'm also the coordinator. I'm an associate professor at Southern Connecticut State University, but I'm also the coordinator for the master's in public health program. Mm -hmm. And we have a wonderful public health program. And so I am actually a person that goes through the missions that allows students to come in to our MPH program, yes. our master's in public health. And one of the things that I say as I talk to people, especially because I have a practice background as well, is that the beauty of public health is its broadness. Mm -hmm. Although my personal um, take is that you have to remember history as well, right? Because when we don't remember history, we, we repeat it. Yes. And we've seen that over and over again. And so we can just talk about pandemics, right? We can talk about emerging infectious disease. And I, I always, I find it amazing um, whether it, whether we're talking about flu, when I was in, you know, it was mm -hmm. the, the flu and H1N1 and then COVID, that some of the basics that we tend to forget about, things like covering your cough and washing your hands, it is a theme that goes through, whether it's a pandemic lasting four years, the flu, or, or many of the other things that we deal with in public health. So a lot of times, Tom, I get people walking up to me and they say, well, what exactly is public health? And I say, as an example, when you turn on your tap to get, drink water, that's right. does your water give you diarrhea? That's right. Or do you get sick when you drink your water? And they say, no. And I said, that's public health. Public health is in front and behind the scenes. That's right. right? When you go or into a restaurant, when you go into a restaurant, when you go to a restaurant, or when you stop at, you know, uh, although there's another message around fast food, but we know people eat fast food. So KFC, Burger King, McDonald's, all those other places, Popeyes, all those other places that we know people eat. The reason why you don't get sick or or have to go to the hospital after you eat that food is because of public health and the things that public health, the regulations that public health has put into to place. So it's not only education, but there's a regulation and a policy component mm -hmm. of it. 
and it is so broad. Can you be working at Sikorsky's and do public health? Absolutely. We call those people industrial hygienists, right? Mm -hmm. Can mm -hmm. you run a workplace, uh, a work company wellness and be doing public health? Absolutely, right? That's part of health promotion and health education. The broadness of what public health is, um, the, 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 I would say the under the regulations, you know, the authority and agency that public health has, people don't understand. And, and as you practice, you understand. Mm -hmm. So to be able to say to someone, you know, I can remember cases where, you know, someone carrying a something like TB. And we don't know about TB cases all the time because of what public health does in the community every day. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, in public health, we have the authority to, to come back to confine somebody, right? right? And we do it a little bit different than they did it back in the 1800s, <laughs> but we still have that authority, right? And we and, and, and is it and is it when you go into the beach, you right. know, there, there's a reason that it's safe for you to go to the beach. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And there's a reason why when we close the beach, there's mm -hmm. a reason why we do that, right? Mm -hmm. Good thing. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think it's a it's 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 a continuous work that we have to do to help people understand how you know or when I'm telling a student how to explain to their parents what public health is right and giving those examples and things like that that it is one of the best kept secrets um, and it is intersectional right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so can you interested in behavioral health and psychology and do public health absolutely we call those people behavioral designers mm. right mm. So, so so i mean you know we could just i just could just come back no no I, 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 was, I was so anxious, <laughs> so anxious free, to, free to share that uh because sometimes we hear these disciplines of either sociology or history but but the public health is is creative innovative and it's truly about our survival at, at, every, at every, from a micro and macro Absolutely. level. So for people to kind Absolutely. of understand that to need that as well as to be health, public health communicators um, uh, is just so key. Uh, yeah. Mary, as, as, we, as we kind of wind down, you, you mentioned you mentioned Penn State and I, I went, to, went to Bucknell, so I've been, been on your, I've been, been oh, Penn State okay. from, from, from time to time. But you were recently also- I went to, I, I went to Swarthmore. So, so, oh, okay. so, so you're part of- Consortium, yeah, Pennsylvania. Yes. So, yeah. uh, but you were you were in was it one of the Caribbean islands more recently? Yes, Tom. Oh. I was in Barbados. Oh, okay, so, working of course. I mean, working. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I Absolutely. I combined, uh, <laughs> with with a little pleasure my birthday weekend. But yes, um, in March of this year, we're going to be taking eight students to Barbados to do a study abroad during spring break. And um, it is the theme is arts, history, and culture. Mm. And I went to visit the University of West Indies and met with some fabulous um, faculty there mm -hmm. uh, that we're partnering with to give the students a wonderful um, experience. And so we'll have things like um, one of the history professors is going to give us a full day tour uh, with the in-depth view of history and he gave me just a little taste and I'm I'm so excited yes um 
we're going to be doing service as well. And so we're going to be partnering with one of the, what they call children's home to uh, do service. And so we're packing with a purpose. It won't be just about sandals. It'll be about how can we be of service, hmm. partnering with a children's home in Barbados and with a senior home in Barbados to bring service um, and supplies um, to 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 folks that otherwise it would be harder for them to, to have. And so we like to combine these study abroad trips, not only understanding our history and our culture, because as you probably know, there is... Um, very clear evidence about the role that Barbados played in um, in history mm -hmm. with the slave trade mm -hmm. uh, and Barbados being one of the stops, especially with like South Carolinas and the Carolinas. And so yes. um, there's some deep history there um, that uh, we will hear about and we'll explore. And the University of West Indies has a beautiful campus. Yes. They have about the same number of students. There, there's about 7,000, 8,000 students on their campus. Um, it reminds me similar to Southern's campus of both a um, commuter campus and a, a, you know, a residential campus. So that mix. Um, mm -hmm. And we are looking forward to it. So I was there to um, check out the hotel, where we're going to be staying, solidify some of the itinerary, um while we're while we're going to be there and then of course we will also put in a little of fun time do some excursions sure. mm -hmm. um usually trying to um expand the students um boundaries yes. so uh we just Barbados will be in March but we did Puerto Rico with eight students as well back in um January uh of this year we did a Puerto Rico trip that that COVID had interrupted. Mm. And this is a trip that's being done with the with um, some people that you probably know. So the University Access Program at Southern provides access to a university and, and college education for students that other otherwise might not be thinking about going to college. Oh, good, and, good, um, good. Uh, it, it includes uh, programs like New Haven Promise and Promise Scholars. It includes uh, past programs and um, it includes uh, the Mr. Mr. James Barber's SEO mm -hmm. program students, mm -hmm. things like that. So that all comes under the umbrella of the um, university access program. And so for me, Tom, you know, I, there's always a, a method to my madness and I'm intentional, right? Yes. So me, um, I understand the importance of what travel abroad and traveling, the experience of traveling um, gives to a student and how important it is um, to just help people see diverse perspectives, right? And because um, I did lots of traveling, I love traveling. I don't, I don't mind traveling by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, so for me, because of my love and interest, I wanted intentionally to try to help students that many of our students have never been outside of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They've never traveled abroad. Maybe they've traveled to New York, Massachusetts. And so as we look at the students that we want to bring, they have to do an application. And that is is part of what we're thinking about. We want students that otherwise would not have had uh, opportunity. 
by going to Barbados, we intentionally are going to a, a, a island of color, right? Mm -hmm. A black island, mm -hmm. Caribbean. Um, we want students, we're, we're, we're pushing them to get passports. So I think out of the eight, maybe three or four didn't have passports. So now by going on a trip, they'll be required to get a yes. passport, which then will open the door for them to be able to travel outside the country as well. Right. Excellent. So there's a lot of, lot of, lot of things going excellent, on. Excellent. Excellent. Um, a lot of things going on in your young age. Marion, <laughs> as we kind of, let's take the next, uh, eight or nine, eight or nine, seven, eight minutes as we wind down, I want to kind of ask a, a related question uh, about feminism mm. and uh, women's rights and where we are in that movement. You you, you referenced uh, earlier on the, the, the power of sisterhood. I was just reading the other day, we know about 1919 in, in America, about women finally having the, white women in particular having the right to vote. But England, it wasn't until 1928 that, that, that women in England even, some, some women in like 1922, 23, if, you, if your husband, if you, or, if you or your husband owned property, you could vote. And then in 28, it became more universal for women. But I think we neglect, and I'm not a feminist study scholar, but I think we neglect not understanding this, <laughs> that, that women have been oppressed and maybe continually are in some ways uh, yes. So I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of speak about that. And what, what would you say to some of the younger women coming up? Because uh, it's an embarrassment when I read, you know, I guess assumed England, you could, women could vote earlier on and particularly before us. And, but it was just an embarrassment even in, until 1919 that people just the importance of that. Does that mean that every election that was held before 1919 was illegitimate? But, uh, but, 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 I, but I digress. But, but what, what are your <laughs> thoughts about about the the and I want to don't even want to it sounds judgmental to say the women's movement or the burn your bra movement but this this issue of of patriarchy we hear that term a lot so let me shut up and just hear your hear your thoughts in that regard. Well, Tom, as a teacher educator of uh, women's health, um, I don't think that you could do that topic justice without bringing in some some feminist components and I mm -hmm. talk about. Um, I talk about it from a stance of consciousness, and it is that I want my students to understand why they think the way they think, mm. why they do some of the things they do, where did they get that thinking from, was it their family, Was is it the media and social media now that has such an influence, um, and to understand, like to be able to think, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my students said to me one time, she said, really do I take a class where I get to think about what I think about things mm. right? and, um, and where I stand on certain issues mm -hmm. um, and why I might think that I think one way. And as I think about what the influences might be on how I think about things, right? Um, and that's in the student language. Mm -hmm, <laughs> right? mm -hmm. we, can, we can add, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, our academic language to that. But um, I really think that that is 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 is, you know, my goal. Um, when I think about 
feminism and what I want my students to learn out of my class. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's about their consciousness, mm -hmm. about who they are in the world and where some of this comes from. Why is there so much around our agency, around reproductive and our sexual and reproductive mm -hmm. health? Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? And where did it come from historically, right? Because it's easy to say, oh, social media or my family or, you know, whatever. But it, 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 there are deep roots, right? Yes. Deep roots, right? On why women are still so persecuted in many different aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. And what is it? You know, there is a power. Now, I believe that there is a power, right? And 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 that when we talk about feminism and and feminists, uh, there is a power um, for that we need to reclaim mm -hmm. uh, as women. And I said because as you know, as animals, as creatures, we are the ones that you know can birth a baby and have everything it needs to feed that baby and make sure that baby survives. If you don't want to have children, then you need to know why you don't want to have children and be clear and, and to even know that that may change. And it's OK if mm -hmm. it, your opinions change right on that. Um, but just to be able, as the student said, to just sometimes with our society, as it, it, it goes so quickly to think about what it means, right? Why yes. do I feel this way? Why why do I do the things that I do? Why do I feel the way I do? And what is going on nowadays? This is not new. Yes. <laughs> right? This attack on women and sexual and reproductive health, right? This is not new. Um, and just because it is so does not mean that it has to stay that way. Just like we had Roe before and now Roe has changed with people, with the power of, of, of people and women we can change it back, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you do that, Tom, and I'm saying this with emphasis, and we do that by voting. Yes. And yes. that is why next year is going to be such a big year. And so I try to show students as well, you know, not only around their opinions and their thoughts, but why voting and when you can, why it is important from, from the present day and historical standpoint on how that makes a difference and why that matters in your life yes and how you live your life yes. and the things that you will have access to whether it's equal pay right or reproductive health choices mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right things like that so reproductive justice as 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 i teach about it yes excellent Excellent. So, so Marion, I mentioned earlier that this was not going to be a one-off, but now in your in your closing statements, that's four more shows, not just one or two more shows, but four more shows we want to do. Uh, so I'm I'm being I'm being selfish, but I'm I'm naming it and claiming it. In I just love it, Tom. You've taken me on some 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 twists here, there, right? There, there, you, there you go. There you go. Life life is a journey. Yes. Marion, guess what we conclude the title of the book again? It's navigating academia. During COVID-19, Perspectives and Strategies from BIPOC Women, edited by Ahnuli Unjoku and Marion Evans. Excellent, excellent. Marion, thank you so much. We'll, 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 we'll see you soon. Early happy holiday wishes to you. And I guess really appreciate your, uh, your, your, your honesty and, and, and your fervor and your passion. It's just so key. The, yes. the, the students at Southern are very lucky. You too, Tom. It's, it, you know, we just keep on keeping on, right? That's it. Um, 
Yes, indeedy. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this wonderful new book that we've, um, I've been blessed um, to have the honor of participating in. So, Excellent. Take care, dear. All right. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you're going to be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, because they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never going to give up, give up. Fall down, I just got to get up, get up, yeah. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.